Welcome to the Organized Investor Pod Class with Jerry Goodman and Megan Hubbard from Tennessee Wealth Management. Think of these pod classes as a college of knowledge, and the curriculum is an inside look at how we work with our clients to organize their investments, their retirement, and their affairs. Our process is certainly not the only approach, but it has served our clients well. Listening may materially improve your life as well, but for that to happen, it also takes an open mind, an interest to learn, and your trust in what we're sharing. We focus only on what is relevant, and we'll explain things several times in different ways over multiple classes to ensure you understand their importance. We suggest you subscribe so you'll receive reminders about the next class. And with the tools and information on our website, theorganizedinvestor.com, you can start getting organized right now. Hi, listeners. I'm Megan Hubbard, along with my dad, Jerry Goodman, and students. We're glad you're able to join us today. Think of us as Megan and dad. I'm a former first grade teacher at Christian Academy of Knoxville, and dad at least remembers, we think, being a little in the bit. first grade. A little bit. So I have a master's degree in curriculum and instruction, and dad has over 40 years of stories, experiences, and he would say, best of all, jokes. I don't I, know if I agree with that. I'm in a joke curriculum, Megan, and also joke instruction. That's my that's my <laughs> side job. So it, it'll start off with one. Let's say Karen. Karen decides, you don't know Karen, but Karen actually had to go to the psychic, Megan, and she tells the psychic, she says, hey, there's these two men, it's Bob and Carl. They both want to marry me. So who will be the lucky one? The psychic said, you will marry Bob. Carl will be the lucky one. Isn't that funny? Yeah, good for Carl. So this is pod class number seven, and we're not just the lucky one. Oh, no, we're the lucky two because we both are here with information that can help you. And you're also the lucky person because you're going to get to hear about it. Well, there's actually an old expression, and I'm wondering if you've heard it. It's, I'd rather be lucky than smart. And in this case, we think you're lucky that you get to be smarter after listening to this. You remember what they used to say about Lucky Charms, Megan? Uh, Maybe they're they're magically delicious. That's right. I didn't really like to eat the actual cereal in Lucky Charms, though. I just liked the little marshmallows. Okay. How'd you feel about Captain Crunch? I don't think mom bought that for us. Okay. Sorry. It was one of my favorites. Well, hopefully sooner rather than later, you're going to realize we're not only fun and informative people, but we're also very trustworthy people. And that trust is built by us telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, even when the truth is not what somebody wants to hear. So so help you, dog. Yeah. I can't say this happens a lot, but have you ever met someone who would climb a tree to tell a lie rather than stand on the ground and tell the truth? In other words, literally just go out of their way to lie about something. Unfortunately, I have known someone like this, and it's very disheartening. Let's refer to them as a serial liar. But not like Captain Crunch serial, is it? It's a different one. No, like serial going on forever. I got it. So what's probably more common in terms of all that is someone that actually will believe a lie before they're going to believe the truth. You met that person? Unfortunately, yes. You know, it, it actually seems to happen more often, particularly when you share something that people, it's the cold, hard truth, and they'll look at you like they you just made that up. It, and it's wild because you can even show them proof of what you're saying, and they're just not going to believe it. Yes, I have met that person. They want to believe what 
they want to believe, right? And anyway, we're all about being honest with our opinions and convictions and why we feel a certain way. And if someone isn't going to believe us, regardless of what we say or do, there's nothing we can really do about that. To prove that we walk the talk, pod classes number four, five, and six were devoted to getting your affairs organized. We've worked in estate planning arena for about two decades and find it's very common for people to have the preconceived notion that they need a revocable living trust, thinking it's going to solve a zillion problems for them that a will can't solve. In fact, I met somebody with a, that had a zillion and a half problems that they wanted to solve. But anyway, that's pretty unusual. So this preconceived notion is simply not true, but why do they think this? Where's this coming from? So the first inflammatory thing we're going to talk about today is that information that's coming from three different groups of people. And we're going to categorize them as the don't know group, the should know group, and then we have the do know group and do as in do K-N-O-W group. Okay, so let's explain. First, the don't know group. Who are these? These are your friends and family who think you need a revocable living trust but they have no idea what it's going to do and why you should do it. They just think you should have one. I'll cover the next group. Next is the should know group. And those can be either financial advisors, magazine writers, maybe even some attorneys that should know the actual pros and cons of a trust versus a will, but they don't really understand some of the technical aspects of it. They're giving out what we'll call uninformed advice or maybe bad advice, to put it another way. And then we get to the third group, which this is the call the do know group. And this group includes attorneys, various estate planning companies, which we're going to talk about who they do know the actual pros and cons of a trust versus a will. They do understand that a will package of documents can accomplish anything that can be done with a revocable living trust. I mean, anything. And they understand that. They also know that if your family ultimately wants to sell your house, for example, because you put it in a revocable living trust and they later want to sell it, that they, that your family may have to wait up to a year before, because there is a one year creditor claims period in the state of Tennessee. So they know all of that. In fact, for, in terms of the house, actually going through the probate process may reduce the delay down to as little as four months. So they know all of this, but they're not going to share it with you. They want to convince you that a revocable living trust is the only intelligent option, and in fact, the only way to accomplish certain things, which is simply not true. But why would this do-no group want to mislead you? Why why would anybody want to be dishonest? (laughs) Why? That's a good question. Well, you would have to ask them that because I don't know the answer because I don't I'm not in the business of being dishonest, but maybe it's because a revocable living trust is a more complicated solution, which also makes it a more expensive solution and possibly more money in their pocket. You can decide about all that. Now, on the other hand, we make a habit of being honest, which is why we expose some of this misinformation that's either stated or implied. And by being truthful, you have a detailed explanation of the actual pros and cons of a trust versus a will that we covered in those three pod classes. Now, I don't mean this to sound kind of like a whiny butt, but at times we actually feel like we're fighting an uphill battle against the multitudes. And I really mean the multitudes of people that are trying to get you, our listeners, on board with the revocable living trust train. While we're trying to educate you with the truthful and accurate information, so at the very least, 
you can at least make an informed decision. Okay. Now, in these same three pod classes, we've also explained how we can save you about a thousand dollars by working with a local estate planning attorney for a flat fee, and that we don't receive any compensation, none at all, not a related to you getting your estate planning documents in order. So we have no financial motivation to, to direct you in one way or another. We're just trying to help you make an informed decision. And as we just mentioned, we're going to explain our thoughts and opinions in an honest and truthful way so you have the ability to make an informed decision based on accurate information. So once again, this is pod class number seven, which is the first in a rather long series of episodes on how to organize your investments. We're going to give you a very detailed explanation of how we work with our clients and why we take the approach we do and what the benefits may be. We're covering most of this topic in a continuous series of pod classes because we have a certain sense of urgency with this. Now, you may be thinking, wait a minute, what's so urgent about all of this? So here, let's go through this. First, the longer it takes for us to explain this, the longer it's going to take for you to digest this. So the longer you're going to miss out on what we think to be is really a better approach than whatever it is that you're currently using, okay? We're talking about suggestions that may have a financial benefit totaling in the thousands of dollars per year, depending, of course, on your situation. Now, this may sound a little presumptuous, but if it takes you a year to understand and realize our approach, it may be better than whatever your approach is. That's a year down the drain for you. Secondly, the longer it takes for you to realize this is a better idea, the greater the risk is that you get distracted by all this and never do any of it. And thirdly, this is one of the most informative things that you can do with your time. And we want you to be, we want to be thorough and accurate as we cover all this information and do it as quickly as we can. So we're doing it kind of in sequential order so that you can get on with listening to something more interesting. I know it's not things possible, more interesting than us, Megan, even more interesting, which is Ow. there, there's some people might, might say that's not possible, but it is. How in the world would that be possible? I don't know. Well, let's get started, okay? And let's make the assumption you have a financial advisor. And if it, even if you don't have one, you'll still be smarter by listening, I promise. So here's a few questions for you. Do you feel your financial advisor is profiting more from your accounts than you are? That's a question that's, I'm sure, gonna stick in your brain for a minute. Um, has your investment performance been rather mediocre? Do you need better control over investment-related taxes? And has your advisor done things you're unhappy with? You know, if you're answering yes to any of the questions that Megan just went through, then the next question is going to be, okay, why haven't you ever gotten a second opinion about how your advisor manages your investments? Now, we already know why, and we understand. Maybe you don't know who to ask. You don't know enough about it to even know what to ask. Maybe you don't want to take the time to ask. I don't know. It, it, it's a number of different things. People will get a second opinion about their medical condition, getting their car fixed, you know, getting some plumbing done at their house. But nobody ever gets a second opinion about what is probably could be the largest and most important part of your financial lives, which is how your investments are being managed. Nobody does. We feel lucky to have figured out how to structure these pod classes in a way that they can actually be your second opinion. You really are lucky to be able to learn a different approach and that may be better than what you're doing. And guess what? You don't have to sit in a classroom or some seminar to get yourself educated. You can actually listen to these while you're folding your laundry, exercising, driving in your car, um, maybe while your spouse is talking and you've got an earbud in. Don't, maybe <laughs> Never. Don't, don't do Never that. Do that. 
My husband does that sometimes, I think. It's okay. Anyways, what is not so lucky is that everyone has a different learning curve. So we're going to err on the side of sharing more information than some of you may want to know or even need to know. But just know that too much information may bore you, but luckily it won't literally bore you to death, okay? So you're still going to come out alive on on the end of this. But please be patient and pay attention to what we're sharing because it truly is going to benefit you. So let's get into the second inflammatory topic of this pod class. I love inflammatory. It's almost kind of like incendiary. But So the second inflammatory topic is going to be the financial advisor that we assume that you have, okay? Now, similarly to what we did and discussed in pod classes four, five, and six on estate planning, we're sharing information about your investments that most people have never heard because for a number of different reasons, but particularly because their financial advisor has never shared it with them. None of this, okay? In fact, if if you will diligently listen to this entire pod class that we're going to go through about organizing your investments you will probably have a better understanding of how we manage our clients' investments than how your financial advisor manages yours, okay? Again, that's lucky us, but but particularly lucky you as we go through this. And since we're assuming you have a financial advisor, we will also assume you're thinking, but my advisor is a great person. I'm sure they maybe send you a gift at Christmas and or have phone calls that you're talking about kids and grandkids and dogs or whatever. And you know what? I'm sure they are a great person. But we're also talking about your financial future here, not a personality contest. We feel lucky to have suggestions that for some will have potential long-term benefits that will literally total in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So with all due respect to your advisor, Mm -hmm. if you're hoping they will ever offer any of these same pieces of advice or suggestions, now would be a good time to lower your expectations. Now, as we said this before, and we're going to say it again now, your potential benefit from what we're explaining is going to depend on several things. First, it depends on how your investments are currently being managed and if there's some room for improvement. Next, it depends on you taking the time to actually listen to what we're sharing, to do it with an open mind, and not to be skeptical and just ignore what we're saying. And finally, remember that this is your financial future we're talking about. It's yours that might be materially improved. So we hope you're going to, again, be patient and listen to this with an open mind. As you listen to the pod classes, we urge you to refer to the information on our website when we direct you to it. There, you are also lucky to be able to download and print a copy of our 38-page reference guide that is a wealth of information, no pun intended, and to make sure you're looking at the correct copy, the name of this document is the Organized Investor Reference Guide as of November 2023. It includes actual data we use to manage portfolios, and it's exported from an Excel spreadsheet that contains so much information. We actually refer to it as Excel from hell. And part of what we're going to explain to you is the portfolio management section of the Excel from hell spreadsheet, so you can actually see the benefits from being more selective with your investments. And in virtually every episode, some of what we discuss is covered in this guide, and having a printed copy is just going to help you and your learning curve with all of this information. You're quickly climbing the learning curve by listening to our Organized Investor Pod class. Your instructors are Megan Hubbard and her favorite dad, Jerry Goodman. 
Listening to at least 12 pod classes is recommended, and it also helps to subscribe on your podcast platform. Let us get started with Excel from Hell. Now, in this pod class number three, we told you that Sally, we talked about her in an earlier pod class, she was able to retire from her job at the post office that she absolutely hated. Now, she's an example of many of our clients who we've been able to materially improve not only her financial future for herself, but also for her family who will ultimately inherit this estate from her, okay? We're explaining how we've done this. We're explaining why we're lucky enough to have documentation to be able to explain why we do it as well. Now, if you happen to be lucky enough to have the exact same investment process as we have for Sally, then again, maybe there's nothing that we can say to help you. In other words, if there's nothing to improve, that's that's great for you. But that's not what we usually see when we review information from people. So let's start with an example, and hopefully this will make sense. Let's assume you had a million dollars in an investment account, and you could increase your overall performance by $20,000 per year. To be clear, that's an increase of $20,000 per year on top of whatever return you've been getting, okay? And a $20,000 increase per year is equivalent to $400,000 over a 20-year period. Now, that is so much money that you're like, you're probably thinking in your mind, your first impression is going to be, well, that's unrealistic. That's not possible. But the fact is, it is possible. And we see this all the time when we review investment statements. Okay. Now, once again, it depends on how your investments are currently being managed. That's, that's part of this. And to get a $20,000 annual return from, say, a $1 million portfolio, you need to improve your overall performance by 2% per year. In other words, 2% of $1 million is $20,000 per year. If you multiply it out, it's $400,000 over 20 years. Now, if your portfolio is half that size, divide $400,000 by two. If it's twice that much, then double the $400,000 amount. And this is actually a lot of money. This is a lot of stuff that you could buy, trips you could take, um, however you like to spend your money, more money you could invest, um, which is all the more reason to listen closely to these suggestions on how this may be possible. When you peel back the onion on the 2% improvement we're referring to, usually 1% will come from lower fees and expenses, and the other 1% is from better investment performance. So how do we propose doing this? Well, First, by reducing any investment fees you may be paying. Second, by avoiding unnecessary investment expenses you may not even know you're paying. And third, by being more selective with your investment choices to get a better return. So yes, we're trying to simplify this, but we also have very specific suggestions that explain how we do each part of this with clients like Sally. So let's start off with the fees. Uh, Since we're assuming you have a financial advisor, and since it's become a popular way to work with clients, we're also going to assume that they have set up what's called an advisory account for you. Now, this, this type of an account means that you're being charged a fee either, say, once a month or once a quarter based on the size of the account. Now, we also use advisory accounts. However, the advisory fee that we charge related to those will usually be less than whatever it is that you're paying. Now, how do we know that? We know that because there's about 15,000 advisors that are affiliated with our clearing firm, which is Wells Fargo Clearing Corporation. 
And for those 15,000 advisors, the advisory account fee that they charge is, on average, about a quarter of a percentage point more than what we charge. So just to be clear about this, your advisor decided on the advisory fee to charge you. Why we decided to charge less is we wanted to be more reasonable with ours. So reducing your advisory fee by a quarter of a percent is not a massive savings, but for a million-dollar portfolio, it's actually equal to $2,500 per year. And to emphasize that, it's equal to $2,500 this year, next year, the year after, the year after. You get the point. It's just part of the overall 2% improvement that you may be able to realize. Second, let's talk about avoidable expenses. A lot of advisors are using either mutual funds or exchange-traded funds inside of these advisory accounts. Or maybe they just have you invested in mutual funds individually. Either way, we try to avoid these types of investments because they can add another whole layer of internal expenses that can be as much as 1% per year. In other words, in addition to the advisory fee that they're charging you, that you're paying, there's also internal costs buried inside of some of these investments that are not so obvious. Now, if you've always been invested in mutual funds or exchange-traded types of funds, you may wonder, well, how do I invest the money if I don't even use one of those types of investments? We think a much better alternative is to actually focus on higher quality individual stocks with a history of raising their dividends. And there are several reasons why we do it this way. For example, there's no internal cost to own individual stocks versus mutual funds and exchange-traded funds, and that can save you a lot of money. Individual stocks are also more transparent versus trying to understand what the mutual fund owns at any point in time. Stocks also let you be more selective with what you actually own versus funds where you just own everything in that fund along with all the other fund investors. Stocks give you better control over your taxes. And again, there is no internal cost to own shares of Walmart, Smucker's Jelly, Costco. Keep naming. Yeah, all the companies. So if you have an advisory account that's invested in mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, or maybe even both, pay very close attention to this because we want you to re- we want to refer you to something again on the website. Back to our reference guide also known as Excel from Hell. Go over to page pages 24 and 25. There we have an example of a mutual fund advisory program available through Wells Fargo called FundSource and it has a hefty internal cost of about 0.78% per year. Now, what does all that mean in plain English? It means that that you have on average and those the mutual funds inside of that program, the mutual funds owned by it total with expenses 0.78% per year. So for someone with a million dollars in that particular mutual fund model, that 0.78% charge means that they're paying $7,800 per year in internal cost. That's, that $7,800 is equivalent to $156,000 over a 20-year period. Kind of crazy, right? So again, this is in black and white on pages 24 and 25 of the reference guide. And we encourage you to take a moment to review it because your advisor may have you invested in something very similar to this. This is all part of the learning curve and the second opinion that you've never gotten. This also is a lot of expense that many people don't realize they're even paying and that they may be able to avoid the cost by owning blue chip stocks with a history of raising their dividends. 
So as if the 0.78% per year fee for that fund is not bad enough, and that same information about that mutual fund model is also what we consider to be rather mediocre performance when you compare it to other things. And we're going to get to that shortly. So when we first mentioned our goal of improving your overall performance by 2% per year, you may have thought, well, this isn't possible. So the, the first item was saving money, which is the lower advisory fee. And the second is about avoiding funds like that have the internal expenses and costs that are buried inside of those. So in this example, we've covered lowering your advisory fee by maybe a quarter of a point avoiding 0.78% internal cost by that mutual fund advisory model that we just talked about. So now you're already up to, say, around a 1% improvement, okay? And we haven't even gotten to the point where we're talking about actual investment performance. These are just fees and costs that we're discussing up to this point. So in recent years, has it gotten more expensive to go to the grocery store? I would say yes. I would. Most people would say yes. (laughs) But It's kind of a trick question. And the answer is technically no. They don't charge you to walk into the store, at least into the store that I go into. Oh, I I get it. Yeah, sneaky. Very sneaky. It's like a riddle. But actually, buying things at the grocery store has become much more expensive. I think we can all attest to that, especially this past year. So assuming you wander into a grocery store on occasion, which surely you do, do you pay attention to the prices? Well, of course you do, or I hope you do. And for no other reason than the prices that are for these products that you're buying, they're right in front of you. And it's hard not to compare things, right? I do it all the time. If you're looking at eggs, you're probably going to look at another carton of eggs and the price on those before you make a final decision. So by comparison, saving 1% in fees and costs for a million-dollar portfolio is equivalent to about $10,000 per year or $200,000 over 20 years. And to break this down, that's about $190 per week, which is a lot more than you're going to save comparing the prices of eggs or a loaf of bread. It's technically like my grocery bill, honestly, for a week for my household of five. Um, so if I can save $190 somewhere, I'm, I'm doing well. Think about everything in your life that you'll do a price comparison on, whether it be at the gas pumps, a restaurant menu, shopping online. So our suggestion is to pay attention to the big stuff like your investments and not how much you can save on the Twinkies at the grocery store. Or the Little Debbies. Ooh, those are good too. Yes, they are. So can you personally figure out on your own how much you may be able to save on your fees and costs? Probably, maybe. But if you've never done it up to now, or maybe you just never will because you just would like to have some help. See, regardless, we're happy to discuss this with you either by phone or even better, face-to-face, which when we're happy to have a discussion with you about how much this benefit may be. You can also upload your statements to us through a secure link on our website. So again, if you don't know how much you can save from things like this, we're happy to help. Now, before we move on to the third topic, we want to point out that the fees and costs are very simple and typically easy to identify. Either either the fees and costs can be reduced or eliminated, or they can't. How much you may realize will actually depend on your investments and how they're structured, but it's rare not to find any savings when we, we review these statements. And so if you don't take the time to compare, you're not in a position to do anything to reduce them. Normally, the savings from costs and fees can total as much as 1%. 
Now, the third way to improve your overall performance, as we touched on this a second ago, is to be more selective with your investments. The goal here is to have a better rate of return on the investments themselves. So again, reducing fees and expenses is pretty straightforward. You're either going to reduce, uh, realize those saving, savings or you're not, depending on how the investments are currently being managed. But investment performance, ah, that's a completely different animal. That's not as predictable. You know, it's not a black and white issue like fees and expenses. However, there is tremendous opportunity to be had here. It's very common to see an advisory account that owns either mutual funds, exchange traded funds, or maybe even both. And we know this because we have a lot of people who will send us their statements either by mail or upload them to us with our secure Citrix link on our website. And with a copy of the statements that show the holdings, it's easy to determine the internal costs of each investment and what the performance has been. So when we review these statements, it's also common to see these types of investments to have what we, again, mentioned this a second ago, rather mediocre performance, like a mutual fund advisory program or model that you can see on page 24 and 25 of our reference sheet, okay? This is because when you have 20 mutual funds, for example, that own, say, several hundred stocks in each one, that means that you effectively own three to 4,000 companies, if you just do the math. The owning that many companies mean that you've gone from what was called diversification to now you're in the land of diversification because you effectively own every stock on the planet. You own some of the good ones, but you also own some of the bad ones. And for anyone who's ever been invested in, say, the clone of an S&P 500, like the S&P 500 index inside of a retirement plan, in November 2023, here's some of what you owned. You own 39 companies that had negative earnings per share, which means they're losing money. 17 of those companies were trading above their projected price targets. What does that mean? It means the analyst feels like, based on the price of the stock, it's actually going to go down, not go up, based upon what their projections are. And you have 100 companies that don't even pay a dividend, which is not what we typically focus on. So this is what can be avoided if you're selective and use a smaller group of higher quality individual stocks instead of owning thousands of stocks within a larger number of funds. These funds are not as transparent as just owning the stocks individually. They're not as tax sufficient for you. And there are internal costs with those funds that you don't have with individual stocks. And we'll be explaining some of the attributes of the S&P 500 index versus a select group of high-quality common stocks that are shown on page 7 of the reference guide. So again, we're giving you a detailed look at not only how we materially improve your financial future, but also why we do it in certain ways. So back to Sally, who was so happy to be able to retire from her, her job she didn't like at the post office. Our goal is to not invest in mutual funds or exchange-traded funds. Okay, we're buying for people like her actual common stocks of higher quality companies. Again, that we were repeating this that have a history of raising their dividends. They are primarily from the DSIP list, which stands for Diversified Stock Income Plan or DSIP. It has a real long name, which is why we like to abbreviate things like that. Now, this is the flagship list from Wells Fargo Research, and you can see the historical performance in a couple of different places on the investment page of our website. The first page, the first place is on page 14 of the reference guide that we've mentioned, and the second place is just on the investment page on an individual link to that straight report. So just how good is this performance? Let's go through that, Megan. 
So since the DSIP list was actually created in 1993 through the end of 2022, the return has been 12% per year versus the S&P 500 index with a return of 9.6% per year. Again, for that 29-year period, the DSIP list made 12% versus the S&P 500 index, which made 9.6%. So the difference of those two, I mean, the return of the DSIP list was basically 25% better than the S&P 500 index. And the DSIP list actually did that with 10% less volatility, which is pretty impressive. Now, we've had people tell us, oh, you know, 12% per year over 30 years. Eh, that's not that great. Well, I don't know where that comment's coming from, but if anybody that's paid to manage money professionally like we are, I assure you it is. Now, there is only a very small percentage of mutual funds out there that actually outperform the S&P 500 index over a long period of time. You have an even smaller percentage that have exceeded it by 25% a year, like the DSIP list. And there's an even smaller percentage still that have done this with less volatility than the DSIP list. Now, honestly, if someone out there has a better idea than 12% per year since 1992 with the same or lower risk, We'd like to hear about it. We really would. And the reason the performance of the DSIP list has been so good is because it focuses on relatively small companies, I mean, a relatively small universe of companies that have a history of raising their dividends. Now, we know that doesn't sound very sophisticated or exotic, I guess, if you will, but that's the reason. And the exceptional performance has been tracked by Wells Fargo Research and reported every quarter going back to 1993. Now, the investment page of our website has a two-minute video about the DSIP list that was prepared by Wells Fargo Research, and it's a concise summary of what we're discussing here in more detail that you can go and watch and learn a little bit more on this particular list. So in this pod class number seven, we've talked about a number of different things. We talked about our goal, which was to materially improve your long-term financial future by improving your performance 2% a year, partly from lower advisory fees and expenses, and partly from just getting a better performance on the investments that you own by owning companies that have a history of raising their dividends. We've also discussed the DSIP list, where the annualized performance has exceeded the S&P 500 index by 25% per year over a long 29-year period. You know what? We feel that we really are lucky to have an excellent process that may materially improve your long-term financial future. We also feel that you're lucky to be able to learn that process. And we want to be a good steward of your time as well as ours. And we ask that you listen to the entire series of pod classes on organizing your investments to understand our approach and educate yourself. At that point, we can have a chat to understand your situation and see if working together might be a good fit. In the interim, feel free to contact us with any questions you may have. And as always, thanks for listening and class is dismissed.
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views and or opinions of the organized investor or TN Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment advice or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning or before making any investment decision. And please consult legal or tax professionals for specific information regarding your individual situation. The organized investor cannot accept trade or account instructions on or through this platform. Please contact us directly at contact us at tnwealthmanagement.com or 865-415-2060 to place a trader for trade or account related questions. Brokerage and advisory services are provided by TN Wealth Management through Prospera Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. The organized investor is a brand name operated by TN Wealth Management for educational platform purposes.